Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons Podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Scripture this morning will be, as I was teased this morning, not from Matthew 21, 28 through 30. There is no such thing. So I said, well, I think I wrote it in the end of mine. Chapter 1, it's chapter 11, uh, Matthew eleven twenty-eight through 30. And if you have one of those Bibles that has different colored uh, letters for different things that are going on, you'll find that chapter 11 is pretty much all red. Jesus is, is speaking, and then the, the verses we're about to look at are right at the end of that. Verse 28 says, Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. May God add his blessing to the reading this morning. You've just heard this week's focus scripture. Now on to the sermon, starting momentarily. Lord, we come here to seek you, to hear from you, Lord, to take the words that are spoken today and change us. Lord, I pray even now that you'd be working on hearts, work on my heart, Lord, as we, as we hear from you. Lord, that you would continue to change us and mold us and move us from where we are to where you would have us to be. Draw us close to you. Encourage us in the faith this morning. Lord, that we might leave here and share that with others. In your name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Hey, it works. <laughs> Low quality, yeah. So, um, whether you know it or not, and I know if you have cable, you do know it. Our world is full of three steps to fixing anything, right? We have tons of infomercials. We have all kinds of uh, different things. If you look on a news, uh, I look at a magazine cover, I was at the dentist on Monday, and what I found out, and if anybody wants to know, I'll let you know after service, that in four weeks, you can look just like the guy that was on there. The dude was ripped. So I, 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 I almost picked it up believing that for like one second, right? The world is full of that. Get on your news feed every morning, and, and you'll see three steps to better eating, or the tent, you know, it's, the world is loaded with all these easy things to make our lives better, and yet I think... As I look at my own life, for some reason, they don't seem to always work, do they? I don't know if you heard this week, there's a new one-minute workout. Did you hear about this? Yeah, buddy, I'm thinking about joining this one. Do you eat a donut for a minute? No, no, it's better than that, Kenny. Well, I don't know if it's better than that. I got to take that back. 
what they say, they, they found a study that, they did a study that uh, compared people who worked out for 45 minutes of moderate workout versus someone who worked out for a minute full, yeah, yeah, 45 times a day. No, <laughs> one minute all out, full, full bore. And what they found in this study was that at the end of the however many weeks they did it, they were about as healthy, one was about as healthy as the other. So I don't know, of course this is obviously one study and there'll be a hundred more studies to question that, you know how that works. Um, you know, we look at all these easy weight, easy uh, weight loss plans and you, I mean you can find book after, stand in Walmart line for more than 20 seconds and you'll, you'll have solved the world's problems, right? Or at least you think on the, on the papers that are there. And maybe, maybe as Christians we prescribe to that a little bit too much. Maybe we sell to our friends and our family members that it's just a three-step plan. It's an easy plan. There's nothing to it. And so I look at it from the other side and I say, why, if it's that easy, right, and there's not much to it, why would you not prescribe to it? What's the challenge in walking the walk? What's the challenge in Christianity? Well, I want to tell you that this morning's passage, Jesus gives us a three-step plan, but guess what? It's probably not that easy. It might be a little more challenging than some of us would like to think. That doesn't mean it's not worth it. See, Jesus says, if you want to find rest, you got to come to me. Now, I, I found this picture, and I just... This is what happens when you Google image things for too long. You find a cow, cow finding, getting rest. I don't know. <laughs> the first thing Jesus tells us in this passage, verse 28, says, Come to me, you all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. The first thing that has to happen is that you got to step out. you got to step out. He says, come to me, and I will give you rest. There's no rest apart from me, he says. Try as you may, it's fruitless, a waste of your time. You may be experiencing this unrest this morning. You may be experiencing this unrest this morning. And yet we're reminded in Scripture, oh, that's what, yeah, that's what we think of rest, right? Sleeping. But let me ask you this question as we think about rest. and va- I, I always think about rest and vacation, and I always put them together. But when's the last time you went on vacation and you got a a hotel or a place to stay, a condo, whatever it is, a tent, and you laid in that tent for a week straight and did nothing but snore. Absolutely not, right? No one of us does that. Now, I will admit that when we go and we get a hotel, my favorite thing to do for the first day is to stay in my pajamas and curl up the covers close to my neck and turn on the reruns of American Pickers or 
whatever, Pawn Story, whatever, you name it, some show that we never get to watch, and we'll watch the series of four or five or six hours of that. And there's some rest involved in that. But guess what? By the evening, I've pretty much wore that plan out. And I wouldn't do it for a second day or a third day or let alone a whole week, right? No, when we go on vacation, we go and we do things. I read this uh, commentary this week. It says, rest is not the absence of labor, hardship, or suffering, but rather rest is the absence of guilt, worry, anxiety, and a lack of meaning in one's life. Jesus promises meaning, hope, assurance, and peace. Think about that for a moment. Our idea of rest is not snoring in that bed, but a lack of anxiety, of guilt, a lack of meaning in one's life. That's rest. The scripture comes to mind. The verse before this one says, Do not be anxious for anything, but in everything through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God that transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds. Our rest is in a relationship with Jesus alone. There's, there is no rest outside of that. You can only sleep in a bed so long, and as I found out, as I've, I have experienced, the older you get, the worse that gets. <laughs> I'm beginning to understand why Grandma always slept in the chair, right? <laughs> if you're over 40, you're beginning to understand that situation. I always thought that was the weirdest thing ever. Grandma's always sleeping in the chair. Why did she sleep in the chair? Duh, makes way more sense now, <laughs> right? Rest. But you got to step out. If you don't step out, nothing will change. There's a great passage, one of my favorite passages uh, in Scripture, Genesis chapter 22. And I love that passage because it's Abraham's Test is what it's called, right? And we know how the test ends, so it's, that's the only bad part about Scripture. I wish it was like invisible until you read it. And then, then as it, it opened up, and then you could experience what happens, right? But we know how it ends, but it doesn't change what happens. God calls Abraham to sacrifice his son, his only son, at the age of 90-whatever years old, right? Why? Because... It, because I think Scripture tells us that it was the apple of his eye. He was, he had, this was the kid he'd been looking for. The kid he'd been promised that he hadn't found. He hadn't, they didn't have him. They couldn't have him. And then he had him. And God says, take him and sacrifice him. And one of the reasons I love this, there's a couple, some really crazy things that go on in here. He talks to Sarah, and he's like, I'll be back in three, we'll be back in three days. <laughs> Don't you wonder how he's packing up the mule? He's been told, uh, go and sacrifice your son. And he's been, he's packing up everything. He's got the fire and the wood and uh, Isaac, and, and he tells Sarah, we'll be back in three days. And you got to wonder what was rumbling around in his stomach and how he was feeling at that very moment, trying to rationalize this idea that, 
Did I hear from God? Did God really tell me to go and do this? This is the son he promised me I waited so long for. How is this all going to work? Right? And he goes for three days, and even Isaac asks, hey, so where's the sacrifice? <laughs> right? He's, a- he's asking, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham knows. There's a, in, in verse 10, and I believe this is, uh, this is how God, when Abraham really understood his faith and recognized that God was still in control. It says he reached out his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And I like to look, as I visualize that, I like to think that you can go back with the knife as far as you want, right? You can keep doing this. But at some moment, you have to make that decision to plunge that knife. And I like to believe that that is the moment that the angel came. When Abraham had, had decided in his heart that God would take care of this situation, even if he didn't have a clue, if he had no understanding of how it was all going to work, he made that step of faith. He stepped from going backwards with that knife to going forwards with that knife to slay his son. And an angel came and told him, Abraham, Abraham, stop! That was his stepping out. He stepped out of an understanding of faith in a little box to a real understanding of faith. And Jesus tells us in this passage in, in uh, Matthew, come to me. You have to step out. You know, there's one thing that if you go to a church very long, you'll be invited at the end of the service to step out. And we do that every week, right? And I'm willing to bet that there are people who come every week and God is pushing them to step out. Because I was one of those kids at one point. God was pushing me to step out to make a commitment to him. And yet I was struggling to step out. And you know what? I know the excuses because I've made them, right? There's someone next to me. I can't get out. I'll have to interrupt. What will the people think of me? And yet this, this, this altar is offered every week to bring your struggles, to bring your uh, life, your struggles in life to God, to lay them at his feet. I felt really called this week about relationships. And I don't, and I don't know why, and I'll talk a little bit, but it felt like if your relationship is struggling, lay it at God's feet. If you don't have a relationship with him at all, lay it at his feet. If someone judges you here, that's their problem, not yours. I will tell you that about, I, I want to, I don't know the date. I, I wish I couldn't find the date this week. I went through the CLI classes um, did all the things I was supposed to do, got all those classes out of the way, got graduated, and I, and I thought, okay, God, I'm ready for you to go now. Where are we going, right? I was teaching the Sunday school, and people were, and I just kept coming every Sunday because that's what I expected. That's, but I was just waiting for the phone call. Obviously, God was going to call me somewhere. I went through the classes. I followed it. A month later, hmm, nothing happened. This is weird. 
Two months. Six months. Nothing happened. And I'm like, all right, something's screwy here, right? Something's messed up. And we had a Camp Judson Sunday, and it has to be 2000, I want to say it's 2009. Excuse me. And I sat in a pew, just like you guys, and I felt God pulling me. Pulling me like I've never been pulled out of a pew before. I had not slept. I, I, Mark has a story about not sleeping the night before. And, I, and it was the same thing, man. It was the same. I had wrestled all night. Slept terrible. I woke up. I was an emotional just wreck. Get to church. The last place I want to be here. I can't keep the tears from. If you know me very long, you know I'm a ball bagger. I can't keep from that very long. Uh, that's just who I am. God created me that way. I don't know. I guess it's good. I don't know. I get here and the last, and I don't even, I cannot tell you who preached. I can't tell you what was said. I have no clue. The only thing I thought was, I can't wait to get to the end because I'm going to the stinking altar. Because <laughs> I ain't got no other choices, right? I finally laid it at, at, at the foot of Jesus and let him deal with it. A total change. But I had to step out. And I tell you that story because if you're here this morning and you can feel that in your guts and you know you haven't made that relationship with Jesus yet or that you need to work on a relationship that you have in this life and you're a chicken to step out, I challenge you. Don't let another day go by. Don't let another, another Sunday, another Sunday, another Sunday. He says, come to me, who, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. There's a spot on your connect card that says, I need to find God's rest for my life. And I would challenge you, check that box. Don't chicken out. Second part of this passage that really stuck out to me was that he says take upon my yoke and learn from me i am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your soul jesus speaks of a yoke one of the things i love in scripture jesus is always taking things that just don't always make sense and he makes people think about them right what's a yoke a yoke in scripture um really was most of scripture tells about a yoke of slavery, of bondage. They knew what a yoke was, right? Holding them back. Something around my neck. Something not letting me go. In Acts uh, 15, it talks about uh, the rules of the Jewish faith, like a yoke around their neck. I asked you this morning, what is your yoke? What is it that you've been experiencing that the world's got a hold of you? Pain, fear, rejection. Because Jesus says, listen, I need you to exchange your yoke. I'm giving you an opportunity. You aren't going to have two yokes. you got to take the one off, the one that you've had on. And you got to put the new one on. Put on my yoke. If you're old enough to remember a little uh, Bob Dylan, you may, you may be, I may be dating myself some. He wrote, a, he wrote a song. 
You got to serve somebody. See, I think we like to believe that we're all lone rangers and that we don't, you know, we're lone wolves. We're going to do our thing on our own time and nobody is running our lives. But Bob Dylan reminds me, you're going to serve somebody. You're going to serve somebody. Oh, there's the yoke. I'm behind this morning. <clears throat> there's a passage in uh, Romans, and I, I man, I, I don't think I could ever read this enough or ever get tired of it. Live your life a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Why? Because then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, His pleasing, and perfect will. Jesus tells them, you have to take off the old yoke. You're going to have to get that one off before you can put the new one on. Are you ready to take off that yoke? The yoke that the world has put on your neck that has you've allowed to be there? Maybe today is the day. And finally, you have to try it on. You got to try the new yoke on. I, I always think, I bet the new yoke, Jesus' new yoke would have been like carbon fiber and really tough and really light, right? Because he says, this, this one's light. This is, this is yoke light. I don't know what that would look like. but <laughs> Versus the heavy wooden one that weighed him down. This one will be light and easy and better. If you want to learn to walk and step with Jesus, you need to put on his yoke. I did a little research on oxen because I really don't know much about oxen. So I thought it would be interesting to try to find out how, to, how they train them because I think it's pretty interesting. And the one thing I got this week out of all the YouTube videos I watched, <laughs> it's like Wikipedia for the younger generation, right? <laughs> it's got to be true. It's on the Internet. Come on. But one of the things that I did learn was that consistency is most important. And you have to admit that that works at home too, right? My wife wants to train me. <laughs> She's just got to be consistent. <laughs> I can be trained. And all you guys know what I'm talking about. Consistency, consistency, consistency. I always make fun. I said that this latest dog we got is way smarter than all the other dogs. It seems that I, as I've gotten older, the dogs have gotten smarter. I'm pretty sure there's something not true about that statement, right? <laughs> you got to try it on. If you're not willing to try it on, well, this passage really stuck out, as I told you about um, Maybe because of the, the unequally yoked thing, you know, in, in, in our Christian uh, <clears throat> framework, every time you say that, we think 
believer, non-believer, uh, being married. Uh, don't be unequally yoked. We've heard that, right? You, you know that. And, and I thought, well, what if we took that a little bit further? What if we're unequally yoked spiritually? What if we're unequally yoked spiritually? Do you think that's where God would have us to be? Husband, wife. Husband, kids. Wife, kids. I don't care where you put it. I need to tell you that when I was first married at, I don't know what, 20 probably, we were unequally yoked. My wife was seeking God and I was running the other way. I'd had enough of that. I'd had it when I was a teenager and my parents were pretty strict and they kept me in line. I needed that. Don't, don't get them. They were doing the right thing because I, I had some issues with that. I didn't really want to go the right direction. But I wasn't spiritually equally yoked with my wife. But she was, she was patient. She's a patient person. I, uh, on the other hand, am not as patient. But I asked that question because it really, it just stuck out to me this week. Hmm. This was, this was, does anybody, does that work any, on anybody? <laughs> Gives me the willies just to think about someone being that crazy enough to do that. <laughs> and take a picture. They do. <laughs> So I ask you if your relationship looks more like this and if that's what God would have. Are you unequally yoked in your marriage relationship? And this picture might help a little bit better. Pick a side, I don't care, right? Pick a side. Not equally yoked. If you know me, you know that I like this car. Let me ask you this question. That's a great car, isn't it? We could go to the dealership and walk around and touch that whole car and look around it. Open the hood, look under the hood, look at the shaker. Oh, man, gives me the chills thinking about it. Open the trunk, check it out. Open the doors, sit in that car. And what are you going to do? You're going to mess with the lights and turn the key and start messing with the radio. Hopefully it has one of those GPS screens in there because that's what I'm looking for, you know. like that idea. You'll never experience this car if you don't put it in gear. You can sit in that car all day long. You can even rev it up, right? But what makes that car good? Other than its nice color. I mean, I could sit in the car for a while. Don't get me wrong. But it would take, my, I'd get over that, and I'd want to put it in gear, right? And if you're anything like me, I'd love to take that car and just smoke the back tires right off of it. That's what it's for, right? They didn't make that car that pretty with nice big tires on the back just to drive around, putts around. No. They made that car just like that because they want me to experience it. 
All that we heard this morning, all that we talked about and listened to and thought about in Scripture is a waste if you're not willing to try it on. If you're not willing to test it out, to get in that car, to get in this Christian life and try it out. We're about ready to, to be done. And I want to challenge you this morning that if, if God is calling you to the altar this morning for whatever reason, for that relationship that he wants to start with you, for that relationship that he wants to fix in your life, for that struggle that you can't get past, that's what his altar is for. Lay it at his feet and make today the first day for the rest of your life. Let's pray. Lord God, we come to you this morning. Lord, I just thank you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for the reminder that in our, our darkest, deepest struggles that you are there. Lord, some of us have been running, struggling, and you call us, Lord, to come to you, to step out, to exchange our yokes, Lord, to exchange the world's problems and come to you. Lord God, I pray this morning as we finish up, as we sing your songs, as we sing praise to you, that you would guide us, our every thoughts, our every moments, Lord, that we would bring those things to the altar. And be released. In your name we pray. Amen.